Hello and welcome to Piece by Piece, the podcast where we piece together what makes a world without violence. While we don't always see it, gender-based violence is all around us. At ANOVA, we believe in a future without violence. But what does a future without violence look like? And how do we get there? My name is Dr. Annalise Trudell and I'm your host. This week's episode, Spaces for and by Women. Now, aren't we in a world that's past the need for that? Frankly, no. Public spaces are still very much dominated by men, and women often feel unsafe by the constant threat of harassment or objectification. So today we're going to hear from two really different organizations that see the incredible inclusive power of actually creating spaces for women and non-binary folk. So first up, we have Yasmin Saeed, who joins me from Hijabi Ballers, a Toronto nonprofit on a mission to celebrate and encourage Muslim women in sports spaces and programs. In the second half, I'm joined by Coach Katie, or rather Katie Kickass, as she's better known. She's the head coach of the Northern Furies of the Kenora Roller Derby League and has been an announcer for bouts across southern Manitoba and northwestern Ontario. Now quickly, before we get started, I wanted to remind you to go and take a minute and go to innovafuture.org slash podcast. We want to hear your feedback about the podcast, and you can get a couple sneak peeks about what we're thinking about for season two. Thanks so much. So welcome, Yasmin. Hi, it's so nice to be here. For sure. We're glad to have you. Um, you. So Hijabi Ballers, it's Mm -hmm. important to you. Uh, I wonder if you can tell us why. You know what? Like I grew up in one of the most multicultural cities in the world, right? Toronto. And what I noticed interestingly was that a lot of the times the sports spaces I felt, because growing up, I used to play all sorts of sports, right? I went from soccer, basketball, swimming, skating. And so I went through all different fields from different sports centers to different recreation centers. And I noticed that like, I've never felt the full completed inclusive sports space, right? And I noticed that like, at first I thought it was because I wasn't really enjoying the sport, you know? So I would switch to a different um, center and try it out and I would love it, but there was always something missing. You know, I loved every sport I played and I realized it wasn't the sport that was at fault. It was more so the whole centered team, I guess, or not even just the people, but it was just the atmosphere. And when I fell in in love with Hijabi Ballers and met Amreen, the founder, I noticed that like, this was perfect, not just for me, but for people that kind of had a similar experience with me that, you know, wanted to try playing sports, whether it be at like a recreation level or a competitive level, and just have that sense of, I guess, comfortability and just, you know, having this such a support group around you that wants to see you flourish, that wants to see you grow and continue playing sports or just try it out for fun and realize maybe that's not for you, right? Because that's 100% okay um so I think just because it was something that I was like longing for and then kind of like found um in this organization I know that at least for me that's what makes us so special and so important overall you're talking about how it's so much more than a sport it's a community it's an inclusive space it's a connection um and it's a place of growth and I think that we can dive into all of that but Maybe we should also talk about what is Hijabi Ballers. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. So Hijabi Ballers is a nonprofit organization that celebrates um, Muslim female athletes in sports. So this can be through like women that want to try sports um, just recreationally, like I mentioned, or competitively that, you know, already 
are doing their best and want to just like refine their skills um, and they do this through different types of like activities and annual sessions so they usually have a sports conference every summer that they would basically center around different sports activities and you can like have a team and compete against each other for like this whole like big prize in the form of like a tournament and different like drop-ins like they would do um, prior to COVID they would have a drop-in Sunday ball night at um, this local like masjid um, and what you would do is that you just come in play for a couple hours with these different girls and just like at the end kind of wrap up the talk how was you know the night and just come together um and yeah I just love it honestly because the organization it's they'll try to they'll, they'll implement like the sports aspect of it but then at the end of the day there's always this like kind of reflecting moment that's like okay did you have fun how was it how can we improve right um, so it just shows, again, like you mentioned, it's more than just that whole sports aspect. Yes, they try to, that's what the whole organization is centered about, about. Uh, but at the end of the day, they always ask, like, was it what you expected? Because at the end of the day, it's for you. Um, so I think that's why it just makes it amazing. But yeah, that's pretty much what Hijabi Ballers is about. So I feel like this is an obvious question, but mm-hmm. is it just basketball or is it other oh, kinds no. of no, oh, it's yeah, all okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all, for example, um, the founder actually, she started playing rugby. And like, that's kind of like how the whole organization came about because she got an injury. Um, And so when she had like her injury, she had this like really big reflecting period. Um, And so like, this is kind of like how hijabi ballers was extracted from that. But yeah, so they do a bunch of different activities from basketball, soccer, um, they would do flag football. I remember one of the, um, yeah, it's amazing. One of the, I think one of the sports, um, like events at one of the annual conferences one of the games that we had to do was field hockey it was like this field hockey and oh my god I remember being like whoa 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 <laughs> uh, because like I used to play a little bit in school just like for fun um, but just like trying it again was like a whole different like experience so um, yeah it's so nice because they have such a wide and vast amount of sports that you can be amazing at one sport and then, you know, just decide, hey, maybe I should just try this for fun and, you know, do it. And it's amazing. Okay. I love how the word ballers got me all tripped up. So it is all sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, baller is just supposed to like signify like, um, cause you know, when somebody says like, you're a baller, they're kind of trying to say that, like, you're like amazing at that, or like you can right. be great at it. Um, they obviously like intertwine it with basketball, but here it's kind of used to like as a broader term that is like hijabi athletes that can be amazing you know so pretty sure I just showed that I'm not very cool because you're absolutely right that is what (laughs) that word means but anyways um, don't worry it's all good so all kinds of sports um different levels it sounds like in terms of people's skill set um you have to be a woman to be part of it all ages yeah all ages there we have like for example um I'm 19 or I'm turning 19 um and there's some people that come in that are like way younger than me that are like 13 14 and they can meet other mothers and just like have this like sense of like bondage that's like oh yeah during the day I like have all these things but at nighttime on Sundays I can kind of you know, make time out of my day um to play sports and meet other people that are just like me or in the same boat as me so I really love that whole aspect but yeah it's literally as young as can be and as old as can get so yeah this is truly amazing and yeah. is it uh is it GTA based is that yeah it's Toronto based yeah Toronto based okay mm-hmm. 
wow, we need something like this in London. Right. <laughs> Hopefully soon. So, But and yeah. when, when did it originally start? You sort of talked a bit about Amory's yeah. original idea of being connected mm-hmm. to rugby. And yeah. Rugby, so I believe it started in 2017. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was in uh, 2017. And when I started like communicating with her and when I really first like met, uh, met her and this whole like bond started, I believe was 2018. Was it summer of 2018? I believe it was summer of 2018. So you were like 16. Yeah, <laughs> I was. This is yeah. amazing. <laughs> well done. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Um, now you mentioned at the beginning when we started chatting that you had played, I'm just going to edit this part out. My dog's yeah. walking by. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear his nails. No, it's okay. Don't worry. Um, So you mentioned at the beginning uh, that you had played all kinds of other sports mm-hmm. and that um, there was always sort of something missing, I think, is how you framed it. And I yeah. wonder if you can kind of dive into that and you can tell me a little bit more. Um, I think you've hinted at it, but why yeah. hijabi ballers is so unique. What yeah. is it that feels different than um, other sports places or other recreate, like maybe even sort of gyms? Why, yeah. um, why is it different? Yeah, for sure. I'll, def- I'll definitely talk about that. So when it comes to sports, what I've realized, because for example, me, I pretty much played majority of my life team-based sports. So the only sports that I played that were like individual-based was like swimming and like a little bit of skating, but it was majority of the time I would play team-based sports. So it obviously re- revolved around you having to come together and reach that common goal of attempting to win or just shoot that basket, score that goal, whatever the case is, right? And what I noticed is that although we all were a team, I always felt that there was something that resonated with me that made me different with my team. So we all like, obviously like loved the sport. We all loved each other. Like, don't get me wrong. There was nothing wrong on a personal level, but because I was different, there definitely was times where I had to feel like, okay, I might have to accommodate for this, or I might have to not, you know, come to this game because I'm fasting or um, like different little things like that. Right. Or I guess at the time, not really little things, but definitely like moments like that. And when I noticed with hijabi ballers is that hijabi ballers has that accommodation already set for you. So they have that team aspect. They have all these different things. But then on top of that, they're like, hey, we recognize that you're a Muslim woman. We recognize that at times there might be barriers. We recognize that there might not be that much inclusivity in sports fields. So we're always going to be here for you if you ever feel set back. And for example, like me, um, when I I started playing soccer in specific, I'll touch on this part, but I started playing soccer when I was around eight years old. And a few years ago I took a break like I took a three four year break and I remember just not being into it anymore and I didn't understand why you know um I just thought like I was probably just having like a you know just a phase or something um which I definitely got out of because I continued playing now and I continue playing but what I'm trying to get at is that I feel like if I met hijabi ballers at that time in that period when I was having this like dilemma then I honestly would have felt more inclined to maybe not take a break that long because really like what was stopping me um, from playing the sport at the time. So I definitely do think that what makes it different in comparison to a lot of fields is 
just the aspect of them understanding and having that set understanding that you don't have to go out of your way to explain, oh, I might not be comfortable wearing this or I might not be comfortable playing today because I'm fasting and I'm really tired and I can't drink water. Um, so yeah, there's just like all those different factors. So you've mentioned fasting and you've mentioned mm-hmm. sort of some of the um cultural sort of spaces around being Muslim in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, And I imagine also, I mean, it's right in the word too, wearing hijab and sort of that being um, just incredibly normalized. And I know Mm -hmm. um, as an outsider, just even seeing of late some, there's just seems to be an increase in like, you know, Nike is now having advertisements with uh, women in a sports-based hijab and sort of normalizing some of this, but that just now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I can see that that's not, not anywhere near the norm even yet. So um, yeah. is it, is it a room full of predominantly women in hijab just rocking themselves out? Like, is that, give me a sense yeah. of what this looks like and feels yeah, like. No, exactly. Like it's, it's women that might not wear hijab that don't feel comfortable wearing it or people that already have worn it for like five years, 10 years. Yeah. So it's just this whole space of the commonality that we all share this common ground is that we're just Muslim women, you yeah. know, because at the end of the day, we are the ones like, women's spaces in general are so hard to find let alone muslim women's spaces um so i think it's important because in that space you'll see people that wear hijab and you'll see people who don't wear hijab but you'll all be like oh my god are you tired like it's literally still like late in the day we haven't broken our fast yet when it comes to that aspect or just honestly being a woman and telling another woman like you can do this you can be amazing you know we have to do the best that we can for ourselves and not other people and just this level of encouragement because I feel like you can let the world around you like tell you you're amazing but sometimes you need to just stand in front of a woman and tell her like you can be amazing and you need to do this because you can, you can do it at the end of the day because no one is telling you can't. So um, I think that's like what I feel like I love the most is yes, it's a Muslim women's space. Yes, there's hijabis. Yes, there's people that don't wear it, but that sense of community because we're also most importantly female and women. Um, I think that's what's like just the, the best thing to like kind of feel and gravitate towards. You're just lighting up as you talk about it. That's Thank awesome. you. Um, you. You did hint at it that sort of women's only spaces more generally even are hard to come by. Yeah. Um, and then in particular for certain kinds of women in sort mm-hmm. of who really need a particular kind of community even more specifically. Mm-hmm. And I know there's... Um, there is criticism out there that's sort of like, we don't, why do we need women's only spaces still? Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of that idea that haven't we progressed beyond that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, I have lots of thoughts and feelings on this, but I wonder yeah. if you want to start with yours. <laughs> yeah, no, How I would you answer do. that. Yeah, no, for sure. For me, the biggest thing, like the one word that I would use to describe to go against that whole idea is comfortability. Like, mm-hmm you know, not everybody is comfortable in certain spaces, which is why when you have spaces that allow people to be comfortable and go and gravitate towards it is important, right? Because I know some people that they, if there's not a woman's only space, they won't even attempt to go or yeah. try the sport. So it's like this barrier oftentimes. And, you know, if I was talking to a person that kind of had that ideal, I would be like, at the end of the day, you can't tell somebody how they should feel in terms of how comfortable they should be in a space because you're not in their body you're not in their position you don't know 
why they don't feel comfortable and you don't know the ways that you can help them because you're not willing to help them. Um, I definitely do think though that like, I think the common misconception about women's only spaces is that you're trying to divide, you know, they're trying to divide them from people. But when you look at the division, the division isn't so big trying to disassociate people completely like we don't acknowledge you but it's more so that people can still do the same things that you're doing but just in a different atmosphere so that they can progress at the rate they want to and not feel intimidated or you know but yeah that's kind of like my overall um idea of why I kind of really heavily disagree with that statement but like as obviously as a woman myself um but yeah I I hear that and I respect that and I Mm -hmm. think the idea, I mean, sure, we want to live in a world where everybody feels fully included and able to be themselves and comfortable in all parts of the world, but yeah. we're not in that world. Yeah. And so to deny people their need to gather in spaces that feel safe to them because they are with folks who are like them yeah. does a harm to them. It doesn't actually create your world of total yeah. inclusion. Mm-hmm. And you've spoken just so eloquently and so beautifully about what this space provides, how anyone could ever deny that as being um, empowering and emancipatory is. Exactly. um, Yeah. So what have you found in hijabi ballers that you wish others could experience? Maybe folks who aren't like you, um, who might have a different lived experience, but that there's something translatable. I want people to understand that. And I want people to honestly feel this level of, I guess, this push, you know what I mean? This push that you always have people that can, you could first of all fall back to if you might not be in the best of like headspace to continue playing the sport, or you might not be at the perfect moment where you feel like you should play sports, you know, because sometimes you might need a break and you don't know where to start when it comes to telling them, oh, you know, I might not want to play right now, or I'm going to take a break and I'll definitely come back better and perfect my skills but with hijabi ballers you don't need to ever question if there's going to be some sort of doubts on their end towards you you're never going to feel especially in sports I feel like that's a very big thing where sometimes you kind of are like hesitant because you don't know how other people are going to react to how you feel um but hijabi ballers is not like that they're already like there's no preconception there's no judgment there's no notion of oh why is she gonna do that why is she doing that where is she gonna go instead blah 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 they're always like understanding for anything no matter how big or how small um so I think especially in the field of sports especially when it comes to encouraging women to play sports I think that's really important and I want everybody honestly to feel that sense of I guess relief and support system at the end of the day that's beautiful and I think we know from the research even that in, um, for women, like their sense of their comfort in their mm-hmm. body, um, those rates start dropping off at eight and nine years old. Their involvement in sports starts decreasing after yeah. that in, into their teens, like uh, rates of participation mm-hmm. are vastly different. And I think yeah. anything that we yeah. can do, like there are health ramifications of that, but there's also ramifications just of sort of being in your body and recognizing your body as being strong and able and loving that. And I think Mm -hmm. these spaces, it sounds like you really create that for folks. So that's incredible. Mm. That's incredible. Thank you so much. (laughs) Is there anything, if you had a couple takeaways for our listeners that you would really want them to Mm. remember out of this conversation? 
Okay, I definitely have two main things. So I'll first start off with like the generic um, never give up, really. I, for myself, I do feel like there's so many times where you feel like it's easier to give up because you don't see that there's anything you would lose if you do, um, which is obviously not the case because if you keep excelling, if you keep going, you'll realize that everything that you see, everything that opens up for you is something that's worth for, you know, that's worth it. Um, so keep like striving towards that. And I definitely would say the next point, point that kind of like coincides with that is just because you're different, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So you can be different in a sports space and take it from me who wears a hijab um, and is a female, you can be different, but that doesn't disprove your skills. That doesn't disprove how you should act or how you should present yourself. Because at the end of the day, you're yourself and nobody could be just like you as a person. So you have to make sure that like you just live the life you want. You try the things you love to do. You meet new people doing the things you want to do. If you want to go and try out a new sport, if you want to go and try out a new, um, I guess, like just anything really it doesn't even have to stay within the realm of sports, but anything that you meet other women who might share the same passion as you, all of those different things, you can do it because like I mentioned even before, anything that you feel like you can't do is all up in your head. Until you actually end up going and pursuing it, you'll realize that what it's worth will never be worth jeopardizing for. So, yeah. Well, that is some amazing motivation to leave us off with. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, this was a lovely conversation and I'm so glad hijabi ballers exist. It is not just basketball. <laughs> that is my takeaway. Yeah. Um, and also I think, you know, frankly, just what you've sort of, how eloquent you speak, how passionate you are, what you've accomplished. I can only imagine what the next few decades are going to bring for you. So Thank keep you at so it. Much. That literally means a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next up, we have Coach Katie from the Northern Furies of the Kenora Roller Derby League. Well, welcome, Katie. I'm excited that you're here today. I have had a limited exposure to roller derby, and it's been a heck of an experience. So I'm excited to learn more. Well, I'm happy to be here to sort of be your guide through the world of roller derby, at least uh, as I've seen and experienced it. There definitely is a lot to take in when it comes to a sport like this. So it's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start. I know all folks involved in roller derby have a a skater name. So what is yours? How was it chosen? Um, And why is roller derby important to you? Great question. So uh, my derby name is Katie Kickass. And a derby name is something I think that is kind of important to the sport um, in the sense that skaters generally now choose their own name. And it's just one more piece that goes with the sport of skaters being able to find kind of a persona that they can embody and bring to the track that helps them to feel empowered and like they're sort of in charge of their space. And, you know, so they have something that they can kind of fall back on that makes them feel like, I don't know, kind of a badass, honestly. Uh, Traditionally before in roller derby, I know that there are, were a lot of skaters who got their names after being a part of the sport for a while going through the training process because you do have to pass a minimum set of skill requirements in order to actually participate in a bout which is what we call a game in roller derby Um, so that traditionally was how names were given is that they were actually you know you were kind of uh, bestowed a name uh, upon you 
after you completed those minimum skill requirements by your teammates. But as the sport has progressed, um, that has changed up quite a bit into modern roller derby. So uh, generally now skaters kind of choose their own names. And yeah, when I chose mine, I just, I wanted something that wasn't, I didn't really feel like a persona was necessarily the right thing for me. Um, as a general, you know, as I live my general day-to-day -day life, I think I kind of have sort of a little bit of a larger than life persona being sort of an extrovert and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So I just wanted something that made me feel like really badass and like kind of a presence uh, alongside my teammates at, on the track. So yeah, I just kind of picked something that I felt was a little bit general, but also made me feel really strong. And as far as what roller derby means to me, I mean, gosh, I probably could go on and on all day, honestly. <laughs> but um, roller derby, it's taught me a lot of things. I think about myself and about the way people can take up space in different aspects of their life. So before I joined the sport and started coaching, um, even though you know, I would consider myself an extrovert and like I said, kind of a larger than life persona in my day to day life. I also was like, in some ways, very passive and a bit of a pushover and kind of let people walk all over me. So having that opportunity then to lead a bunch of women who also, you know, were very strong and like had such presence and heart. It was it was a really interesting uh, position for me to be in because you know, as a coach, I really had to take charge and kind of corralling all of those people and teaching them and guiding them can be a little bit difficult if you can't step up and really stand your ground. So in that regard, you know, it's taught me a, a lot about my own self-confidence, my leadership skills, and about developing relationships between other people and having to adapt uh, to doing that. Because particularly with new skaters too you know roller derby can be a little bit intimidating it is a bit of a physical sport and sometimes new skaters require a little bit of encouragement to step into that place where they can like I said take ownership of that space and be confident not only in themselves but like in their bodies and their way their bodies move uh, the way that they can they utilize their bodies in different ways to take up space or to make space on the track so yeah, there's a lot to the sport, but it's it's a really empowering thing, I think, for people to be a part of it. I mean, the two times that I have been, you can feel that in the air. There's something about how, um, you know, women's bodies generally don't take up space and they don't take up space in any amount of aggression. And uh, aggression, or maybe that's perhaps a bit strong, but sort of real physicality and force is so present at Derby. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's just a really different way of embodying being sort of in a, in a women's body in particular. And when I saw that, it just sort of got me goosebumped all over. Um, so I, I think it's incredibly impactful, even for the audience. And I can imagine uh, definitely for the players. And then, you know, it sounds like you've been at this for a while. You were first a player and, and now a coach. So roughly how many years is that? Yeah, so I've been a part of uh, Roller Derby now in a variety of different capacities for probably about seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. And before I joined the league here in Kenora, I had never seen a Roller Derby bout. I didn't know anything about the sport whatsoever. So it definitely came with a steep learning curve for me. But I will say, before I decided to take on uh, 
really any role in any capacity. Um, I went and watched a practice as it was being run here in Kenora at that point in time. And that's all it took. It was, I watched one practice and I was hooked. And what was it about it that hooked you? Well, again, I think being at sort of an empowering space for women, that part of it was something I had never really experienced before. You know, I did play other sports actually in my past too. Like, you know, I played uh, like softball for a while and I played soccer for a while and I played basketball um, coming up through school. And this was something new, different, new and special in my eyes as far as sports were concerned because uh, the leagues that were popping up at the time that I started, you know, in the early 2010s were all about like, you know, a space that was run by and for women who really wanted to get involved in like being part of a physical sport. And like I said before, you know, utilizing their bodies in a way that was uh, different than what they had before, but also a supportive environment, both on and off the track, because of course it's a team sport, right? So it requires a lot of cooperation and like synergy on the track, but you can't have that on the track unless you manifest it off the track first. Mm -hmm. So having a space where women could, you know, kind of collaborate and uplift each other was something that I thought was so, so special about roller derby. And like I said, that first practice, I immediately had to be a part of it. I love that. I got you right hooked in. Now, I think um, we made a skip to step or two because for, for many of us, we actually don't really know what roller derby is. So maybe you could do your best on a high level here, because I know it's quite complicated, uh, to explain to us what roller derby is, um, what we should know if we were going to show up to a game tomorrow, or about, my apologies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. So, yeah, um, I mean, it is a bit complex to explain, uh, but I'll do my best to keep it as short and simple as possible. So the gameplay itself is played uh, by teams of 15 on a roster, and you can have up to five players on the track during uh, a jam. Now, the gameplay consists of a series of these short scrimmages, and that's what we call a jam, um, in two different like halves of the bout. So each jam is can last for up to two minutes. So uh, both teams will designate what we call a jammer and they have the star on their helmet and four blockers to skate counterclockwise around the track. The jammer is the one who scores points for the team by lapping members of the opposing team and the teams attempt to hinder the opposing jammer uh, with players called blockers. Those would be the ones without the stars on their helmet and um, they also simultaneously assist their own jammer in getting through so that they can score points. So that's kind of roller derby in a nutshell. You try to help your jammer get through the pack to lap the opposing team so you can score points while also hindering the opposing jammer to prevent them from lapping you so they can't score points. I mean, I, I think from the, you know, I think that was relatively clear. I think it's really important for folks to know too, that um, if you've never seen it, it's, it's a circle track. Well, like a oval circle. Um, yeah. And you're all going in the same direction, both teams and it, it's round and round and round was sort of my impression. So um, if yes, you can visualize right. that, um, I think that's a 
very succinct way of explaining a relatively complex sport. So thank you. Now, sure. um, you mentioned you were part of lots of other sports and uh, you sort of already have talked about how this space was really special in the sense of um, sort of what it provided women as a women's only space and it being sort of really quite physical. What would you say was different in terms of some of those other sports that you've been a part of um, compared to a derby and why has this so, so like got it hooks in you and you've been at it now for eight years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, well, the, the biggest difference is the amount, I think, of physicality. And like you used the term aggression earlier. I definitely think we can use that word because even though I think maybe sometimes folks uh, associate that with some negative connotations, I don't necessarily look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there is an element of control and safety that goes into it. As I said before, you do have to pass a minimum set of skill requirements to make sure that you're utilizing your body in a safe way, uh, but also in a powerful way. So right from the get-go, as we're coaching players, we teach them how to do everything in a safe manner. So, you know, the, the bare necessities are like, you have to learn how to fall properly in order to make sure that you're, you keep yourself safe as you're, you know, maybe coming down from an impact, but also so that you don't trip other skaters and hurt them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you learn how to like hit each other in a safe way, what the legal contact zones are, that kind of thing, so that you're not injuring other players so that element of like the safety precaution and stuff I think is really important so that we can have that physicality in the sport and that I think is the biggest distinction between the other sports that I've played and roller derby is that you know it it is much more physical I would liken it more to like you know, hockey or maybe even football, because even in women's hockey, you know, and a lot of leagues, particularly like with, with younger women, there's no like checking or anything at all. So roller derby really sets itself apart in that way as like, it is probably the most physical sport out there um, that a lot of women all across the world probably would have access to because roller derby is, is kind of, has kind of blown up and is everywhere now. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest distinction behind it. But also I had other experiences, particularly as an adult in uh, recreational spaces, playing sports where it was less about playing the sport and more about like getting together to like chit chat and have a social space. And while there is a huge social element to roller derby as well, um, including like after parties and things like that, that are all... a a part of the sport where you like get together with the opposing team afterwards and you know everybody has a fun time like dancing and and socializing and stuff um while you're actually out there on the track it's uh it it I don't know it's in kind of a league of its own in my opinion it's very competitive like this isn't a, a a casual um social sport yeah, definitely. Very competitive and definitely, again, like I said, you know, a, a very, very physical. And that's not something I think you see a lot in women's sports elsewhere is women being encouraged to, you know, uh, ex- like train their bodies in a way where they can utilize it in a physical in a physical way like that, you know, particularly to like hit other people for the purpose of like removing them from their space that they're currently taking up on the track so that you can make room for your jammer to get through 
it, there, there's, I don't think, or in my experience, there's hasn't really been anything else that compares to roller derby in that sense. It really sounds like, and from what I saw, it really challenges um, some gender stereotypes for women in particular, and both in the sense of sort of that physicality, the aggression, how much space you take up, um, but was really interesting. So uh, just like the, how, how the players looked, <laughs> there were some that, and I probably don't have the right words here, but their, their get-ups were accentuating some really feminine parts. And yet they were also so kick-ass and strong <laughs> and others were very much not accentuating anything feminine. Um, and were almost sort of gender neutral in their attire. And it was like the full spectrum was present when I saw that and just sort of what gender, uh, roles and stereotypes were being challenged and taken up. And there was just so much going on around that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, traditionally in roller derby, and keep in mind, like this is a sport that's been around since the mid thirties, like the first roller derby bout uh, was, was played back in 1935. And the sport has progressed quite a bit since then. Oh my goodness. Time out. 1935? Where? Yeah. In the yeah. States or Canada? Uh, I think it was, I don't recall actually where, where exactly it was played, but if I am correct on my history here, I believe that it was actually broadcast. This is kind of funny because you, you couldn't see it, but over the radio as kind of like, um, a way for people who are, I think in the army or in the army reserves or something at that point in time yeah. to like for entertainment for their purposes and it sort of continued uh, through wartime and then became really popular and blew up as a form of entertainment, like through the 60s, 70s and 80s. And roller derby in that time in particular, like there were some huge names. Uh, people, um, people probably are, I think when they think of roller derby, they think more about roller derby in that r regard. Hmm. But then it was more for show and less about the sport, right? all of these things uh all the moves that the players made on the track were pretty much more or less choreographed and it was kind of uh similar to like what you would see in maybe like wrestling or something that you see on tv now right where this stuff is like pre-planned and you know they would do crazy things like uh in bank track roller derby you know like hit each other so hard that they would flip over the railings or you know they would um I don't know, like clothesline each other on the track and stuff like that. <laughs> but modern day roller derby is not like that now. And you don't see a lot of like, well, to, to a degree, I guess you do. Um, but the whole like idea of what we call a bout fit, which is like people specifically dressing up to kind of accentuate that persona they have on the track, I think is becoming less and less popular to a degree in modern day roller derby as it now is becoming looked at as more of a legitimate sport. Mm, okay. And you were talking uh, about a bit about, you know, the role that gender plays too. And I think that's something that's really important to mention about roller derby in the modern day as well, is that the governing bodies and leagues, even in and of themselves, try to be as inclusive as possible. So, you know, for people who are non-binary or, you know, for trans women or, you know, anybody who kind of like aligns themselves with uh, anywhere, somewhere, anywhere on the gender spectrum that, you know, fits in with 
the whatever the the governing bodies and things um, are stipulating like people can join uh, they're, they're very welcoming of people from all across the gender spectrum who just want to have a safe place where they can again you know feel empowered and feel comfortable in their body and in their own skin and like they're valid and mm-hmm. um, I think that's something you know that also sets roller derby apart in the modern day too and that's so crucial and important. I mean, speaking as a queer woman here, I think the 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 rainbow flag flies strongly over roller derby, and you see that, um, <laughs> and you you feel the inclusion. Um, and there's just there's just more diversity as it pertains to gender and sexuality in that space than in any other space I've been in the sports I've played in. Um, and it's just so openly accepting in that way, um, which is incredibly powerful. So while in some ways, you know, this episode is about, um, women's only spaces and, and the need for them and what they can provide, um, Derby is sort of unique in expanding that to be sort of a space that's inclusive for lots of gender representations. Um, arguably everything but cis men is sort of what I'm hearing from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cis men have their, have their, you know, have access to playing roller derby, like in men's leagues and things like that as well. But I think, you know, it, roller derby is kind of a, the only sport that I can think of that sort of begs the question of like, what does it mean to be a woman or what does femininity mean? And because I think that the things that are generally associated with, you know, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be feminine are generally things like that, you know, people would apply sort of like a weaker connotation to things like that. And Mm -hmm. roller derby takes all of that and kind of flips it on its head and says, you know, you can be a woman and still be strong and still be physical and still be aggressive and still, you know, be able to utilize your body in in uh, in a certain way and i think that's really beautiful and empowering for everyone who's a part of the sport that's so beautifully said thank you (laughs) (laughs) um and you know that that dovetails into a question i had wanted to ask you um but you've started there which is you know what have you found or have you seen in your players that they found in derby that you wish others could experience and and is it um, that sort of liberation from some of the confines of what femininity is, is it, you've talked about it in some ways being family-like, um, is it sort of that a community connection that's deeper than in other spaces at times? I feel like I'm answering for you, which I shouldn't be doing, but, um, (laughs) what are some of the experiences you wish others could have? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you just started describing it there really beautifully. Roller derby definitely is, uh, it does have a family atmosphere in a sense to the sport and not only just amongst your team and your teammates, but really like around the world, if you go, you know, we, we often will bout with um, leagues that are kind of nearby, you know, in Winnipeg, Thunder Bay, things like that. And the camaraderie that gets built between even uh, leagues that are nearby each other is so special and yes there's a competitive nature to it of course but um, at the end of the day like I said once the bout is done and kind of the dust settles on the track everybody goes to the after party together and that gives you a chance to build those relationships so for me if I were to move to a new city tomorrow the first thing that I would do is seek out the local roller derby league because it's a great way to meet people who 
you can you sort of have an expectation of like you know that you're going to be welcomed there no matter what no matter where you come from no matter how much money you make no matter what you do in your day-to-day job your sexuality whatever you're you're going to be able to find you know a familial and supportive space in a local roller derby league absolutely for sure 100 percent well, and maybe that is perhaps one of the takeaways. So um, we often ask our guests to sort of have three takeaways for listeners. Uh, and maybe one of them is go check out your local roller derby, either as a participant or as a visitor, obviously minus COVID, um, <laughs> and just get a snapshot of what that could bring to your life. But again, I'm feeding you with answers. What would your three takeaways be? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think, um, well, if you're looking for uh, an inclusive space, uh, a place where you can, you know, maybe find those things about yourself that you can, um, that you can be proud of, or that make you feel strong and empowered, Roller Derby is a great place to start. Um, If you're looking for an inclusive space, Roller Derby is a great place to start. If you're looking for a place where you can feel like you belong to a community, roller derby is a great place to start. And I would definitely say go and check out your local roller derby league. Oftentimes these are grassroots organizations that, you know, are nonprofits and they have a hard time kind of coming up with funds to keep themselves afloat. They're always looking for people to volunteer in a variety of different roles, whether that be, you know, you actually trying out for a team and making it and be a part of the league that way uh, for coaching staff, for volunteers to actually help make things like bouts happen because oftentimes the non-skating officials, the people who, you know, keep score and track penalties and things like that, um, they're they're always looking for people to help with things like that or to take tickets at the door whatever so you know if you have the the free time and you want to find a sense of belonging you definitely should uh, go and check out your local roller derby league and help them out and yeah I would just you know I would say just in general roller derby is such a, a really empowering thing to be a part of so you know, if you're find, finding yourself in that a transition period or like you're, you're doing some soul searching or, you know, it's, it's a definitely a great sport to be a part of, to experiment with all sorts of different things. And I guarantee you, you will learn something about yourself, whether it's on the track, off the track, something that's internal and part of your personality or, you know, um, something physical, like even if you want to, you know, like get in shape, whatever that means to you, or you want to feel more uh, secure about your body. All of those things are things that roller derby can offer. Well, you've sold me. So thank you. Oh, good. Also really, really neat that there's so many entry points that it isn't just what I had alluded to in terms of being a player or someone watching, but that you can be involved as a scorekeeper or sort of helping out in other ways um, and get your sort of foothold into the community. So that's really neat to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing is fostering that kind of feeling of unity and camaraderie. And of course, not everyone uh, is capable of throwing on a pair of skates. You know, maybe you have certain limitations or something that you, you you know, you aren't able to be involved in the sport that way. But I I guarantee you, if you went to your local roller derby league and you said, hey, I want to be involved, I want to join, like, what can I do? They would find a place for you and you would be welcomed there. 
Well, Katie, thank you for giving us some insights into roller derby and um, just so eloquently inviting everyone into what that experience can bring to them. So that was a lovely introduction to roller derby. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, like I said, I could go on and on all day. I wish I could say more, but you know, you can see, you can see a lot just by going to a bout. And I would say, you know, just maybe uh, open your mind to it a little bit because it's a lot more than what you see, you know, in, in the media or like in movies and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it for this episode, folks. Thanks so much for being here, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Piece by Piece is a production of ANOVA, A Future Without Violence. ANOVA is on social media, and you can learn more about Piece by Piece and ANOVA at www.anovafuture.org. A reminder that if you need to talk, please call our 24-hour crisis and support line at 1-800-265-1576. Our sexual assault counselors are available for virtual appointments, and our shelters are open. We're here for you. A special thank you to Najee Naim Zada for technical production. Emma Richard for visual content creation. And music for this podcast is from the album Sweet and Joyful by Crowander, the track Humming. Music access downloaded and used under Creative Commons license by freemusicarchive.org. See you next time.